Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz right here on Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, and TuneIn. Your host, Oscar Lopez here. We're going to have a great show, episode 246 in the house. Um, we are going to be scheduled to have Jordine Marie of the two-time champion USWSFL Washington Prodigy in the house. We're also going to be talking Gridiron Queensland, W uh, Limpa out of Mexico, and all the recaps as well. And then we're going to talk NFL Week 8, as well as college football also. So let's uh, get into the huddle at about 15 after. Uh, we're going to have, I think, Jordine in an hour. So I'll have to confirm that in a second here. But uh, let's bring in. There we go. So is that you, Holly? Yes, it is. How's it going? Good, Holly. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Just your run-of-the-mill Tuesday. How's it going over there? Yeah. Uh, it's been a, a hell of a week, but uh, we're coming through it. Uh, just a lot of stuff happening outside of family and stuff, my wife in the hospital and all that other good stuff. But uh, everything's somewhat okay, so we're good to go for the week. Uh, starting a new week, we'll go from there, as they say. Well, hang in there. It, it'll It'll be okay. And at the very least, you have us to uh, distract you with. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that that, that happened. Um, Holly, uh, let's jump into NFL here because uh, we're going to have uh, Jordine Marie coming in <clears throat> probably at within the hour. Um, I think she was uh, able to do that, but she's not going to be able to do that until 7. So that's fine. Um, so no big deal there. So we'll talk to her in a little bit. And kind of interested to see about her because she's got um, – you know the the Washington Prodigy has has done great things in the USWSFL and back to back champions as well. So that's kind of nice to see there. And so it's a kind of nice story. And on top of that, she's going to be inducted uh, as part of the uh, class of the Women's uh, Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, I mean they've done some really great things with, with that team, um, and I'm interested to see what she says uh, about the future of the team and what they're uh, looking forward to this year, and and I think um, she's definitely uh, um, a really good selection in the Hall of Fame as well. Yeah, she's done great things. Uh, Prodigy, I mean, was pretty good in the before the previously, but coming into the USWSFL, they really have stand out in terms of a top-notch team. So it's going to be nice in 2019. Uh, we might want to ask her there as to you know why not the WF the WFA or uh, anything else, any other league at this point, but it looks to me like they're comfortable where they're at. Yeah, I mean, that's really interesting. I think the U.S. Uh, w, I always mess it up. It's the USWL? USWFL. Ah, thank you. It is a Tuesday. Um, they have actually been quietly building um, and I'm interested to see what they uh, do this upcoming season because now that the um, IWFL is kind of on the wayside, it, it, there's kind of a gap there. And I think that um, 
that league has already kind of overtaken that spot, and we'll see what they do with it, basically. Yeah, I'm, and there's reboot there because um, the North uh, the North Florida Pumas decided to go to the WNFC, so that was one of their other teams that was pretty pretty prominent there. But they, they decided to go to the WNFC, so kind of interesting developments in the offseason in terms of the uh, U.S. scene, in terms of what changes are being done right now. We are really looking at you know WFA standing out. You got the WNFC wait and see here. And then, obviously, the USWSFL working towards expanding. I think they they expanded even to Denver. Denver now literally a women's football hotbed through the whole state between the WFA, WNFC, and now the USWSFL as well. So uh, Colorado is just blowing up in terms of women's football. Yeah, you know, when I first started playing, I always wondered why there wasn't uh, more action over in that state. And it's really encouraging to see that over the last few years here, it's really kind of blown up and there's a lot of interest. And in order to support all the teams they have uh, down there, you know, that's really exciting for the sport of football in that state. Nice to see, uh, especially with Gwen out there making some uh, headway with Mile High. So that's also awesome. Um, so we'll, we'll be talking women's recaps. Also the international scene as we got action from Mexico, a lot of action from Mexico, UFFAN, you got the uh, Lympha, you got Lexfa kicking off, FXX Mexico. So uh, just a lot of action down in Mexico with various leagues already working. In. And so in the off season, in the U.S. off season, as well as in Canada, you have tryouts happening everywhere. So if you want to go to WFAProFootball.com, you can get hooked up with the any team locally. And I'm pretty sure there's probably a team in every state now. It just seems that way, but I'm pretty sure we're missing some states. But for the most part, there's probably a team. And then you also have the WNFC, WNFCfootball.com. They're holding tryouts as well. And then you also have, um, as well, the USWSFL. So the USWSFL is going to be basically, um, you know, kind of a third league. And then we have the, the leagues in Texas, you know, the IWFA, you also have the um, the XXFL, and uh, we don't know what will happen with the IWFL. So there's still a lot of football, but tryouts are ongoing, including Legends Football League as well. Tryouts are going to start next this coming November. So, uh, you know, Holly, just seems like there's just a lot of women's football being played now, and it's kind of like I want to put it in perspective, which is what you would have seen in men's arena football, like so many leagues just scattered all over. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like the alphabet soup now. There, there's so many leagues out there that it, uh, it's almost hard to keep up with at times. Um, but I think I think you're right. It's it's a good comparison for uh, Real League or even, um, you know, the precursor to the NFL. There, You know, there was a whole bunch of movement until it settled down into what it is. And even, <clears throat> even with the NFL now, you still have arena, you still have coming back and you still have all those other secondary leagues that, that pop up. So I think the, the bigger, um, uh, the bigger point is that Americans love football. And if there's somebody that wants to play somewhere, there's going to be a place for them to play. And I think it's actually really good that there's so many options in women's football right now because we want to be on that same uh, playing field as the men. And just because there's different options does not mean it's necessarily a bad thing. 
No, right. And it's it, it's been uh, kind of like nice to have variety in a way because not every league in women's football is run the same way. Now we have variety. Now we have the WFA with its model, which has been a model with the IWFL for so long. And then all of a sudden we have the WNFC model. So there's like a different variety now of sports. So sort of exciting for 2019 to figure out which side's going to be what. But uh, you had said before, Holly, that this only makes both leagues better because competition in itself. Uh, the WFA announces a player advisory council this past week. So um, I don't know what that means at this point, but uh, closest you can get to a players association, if I, I want to say that in terms of feedback. So I, I guess if you want to put it in perspective, the WNFC coming into foreplay maybe has forced the WFA to really re- reevaluate itself. Yeah, you know, I think it's a good thing. I think competition is always a good thing. And, um, you know, in business and in sports, having direct competition brings the best out of you. You either you either have to step up to the plate and get more creative uh, to try to compete with that competitor or you get left behind and you can't afford to get left behind. So it almost forces you out of your box and out of your comfort zone. So it's really a decision at that point um, whether you roll with it and you get more creative or you risk staying the same and getting left behind. I think we're seeing that uh, difference between how the WSA has handled change and how the IWFL has handled change or lack thereof in their case. So I think uh, the player advisory board is a really good step. Um, I think, you know, it's, from what I can tell, it sounds like it's um, basically, like you said, kind of not necessarily like they have a, a, a CBA or anything like that, but more of a place where players can actually put in their own input. I think sometimes with teams being owned and operated by different ownership groups, the players' concerns might not all, get all the way to the league. They might be buffered through their owners and their coaches, so at least this way they kind of have an outlet um, and there's a lot of ideas out there. So, you know, I think it's a good move on their part. Troy, uh, do you think the WNFC and coming into play really just forces them to uh, kind of get creative in a way? Because we have not seen this in, from the WFA in a long time, but now they've added teams, they're getting bigger. It's sort of like a liaison of trying to, you know, get feedback from the players because another league is now in a competition mode. So retention becomes priority, right? I would think that it does. Um, But honestly, I'm not sure if the WFA should be sweating right now. I think especially looking how things have kind of unfolded in the IWFL. So they may have bought the WFA some time Um, as far as, um, you know, still being the top dog. And here's the thing, they, they've they been around for a while. So they've had their successes, they had their failures, but they've also learned from it also. And at the end of the day, a lot of those successes could be teaching them you know, how to deal with, um, you know, some of the adversity and some of the things that didn't go so right that may help them, you know, fix things going forward. And not to mention there's nothing, you know, stopping them from borrowing some of what the um, WNFC is doing also. So I just think, you know, right now it's it's just good competition. Um, you know, like most of the leagues, 
But I just think, you know, really the IWFL is just, you know, really in trouble. So WFA should be fine, you know, with this right now. And there's nothing wrong with having, you know, those two big leagues. I mean, you had IWFL, WFA for now, you know, for for years also. So if the WNFC coming in, I just think it'll just be, you know, another avenue for these ladies to play, um, you know, play the football games. Um, Holly, it, from your perspective as a player, we have options. It's kind of like it might have been a monopoly if the WNFC hadn't come into play and the uh, IWFL collapsed. Now we have this one league mentality. But now that we have a challenger in a way, it looks to me like the WFA really is uh, evaluating itself. It has improved to Troy's point every year. They've made some improvement. The tier system, which I believe originally was – you know, instituted in the IWFL. And so now the WFA pretty much owns it and it's made their brand a lot better. So it's a matter of now of ownership with the owners of the WFA to really come up with some sort of uh, player friendly uh, issues with cost player, you know, friendly with feedback. So, you know, they're they're just making decisions. Their owners meeting was in Vegas this, uh, I believe this past uh, weekend or so about a couple of 10 days ago. So from, it sounds to me like they really sat down in terms of what their vision is going to be going forward for 2019 and how they're including the player as a focus. I think it's really good. I think, um, you know, to the WZ's credit, like we said before, they have made improvements. Um, It hasn't been as fast as everybody wants, but that's kind of the thing across the board with our sport. Anyway, we all want it to be, the W, you know, NFL, like, yesterday. But that's just not realistic. We have to understand it's going to take time to get there. And so I do think that some them involving the players and sitting down um, and having those discussions is is really valuable. I think, I think the fact that the WNFC, it kind of came out and said, you know, they're going to look at it more from a player's perspective and, and make it more player-friendly. I think that's kind of making them look at things differently, but I think it's a good thing. I, I think it could only help the sport. I mean, the way I kind of look at it uh, is that we have to make changes as we go. Competition is good because at the end of the day, are we getting better as a sport as a whole? I think sometimes people get a little tunnel vision with their own particular team, their own particular league, and we have to make sure that we we, we keep the big picture in mind. So. Yeah, we'll see what happens, but I think it's a good start. All right, so um, the schedule for the WNFC came out, and it's now, which I think was a great idea because it gives people time to figure out what dates they can attend and make that more professional-related because I know the WFA schedule usually comes out, like, too late, 60 days out, you know, sometimes even 30 days out. So it really doesn't give anybody – you know, at least a six-month window to kind of figure out their plans if they want to attend a game or something like that. So on that end of it, I think the WNFC has done really well to try to uh, put the schedule up early so that people can actually draw, uh, gravitate to it and figure out, okay, do I want to do this and attend that? And also gives them some leverage in terms of branding and marketing ahead of time to try to get uh, some people to come out to those games, especially now that they know what dates those games are. So um, what can you say about that? Yeah, I think it's a, a really great move. I mean, I, one of the hard parts about scheduling 
is that you put out a schedule, but then, you know, behind the scenes, all the individual teams have to make sure that that schedule works for their location that they're playing at. And that's, you know, a little tricky at times because you're kind of at the mercy of the fields that are available to you. So sometimes that's why scheduling has typically not been the easiest, but I think it does really help when you only have so many teams um, and all of those teams seem to be on the same page of getting their ducks in a row as quickly as possible, then that makes it easier. And I think getting the schedule out now, you're right, does give more uh, lead time into promoting for the individual teams as well as for the league. And, you know, I'm excited about it. Uh, you know, we get uh, a couple trips down to California, which is always nice to get out of the rain. So that makes me happy. And I think it's a, I think it's a good start. Troy, um, since we're talking all this, you've been with me for a long time. The evolution of change in terms of a business-minded model is, is being forced onto the sport, I think, more so this coming year than any other year that I've covered it. So it really challenges, now I wouldn't say just the WFA, but it really challenges the USWSFL and all the other leagues that are competing now. And it really, you know, they're, they're being played at, the, at a point where which one's going to stand out, you know, for, to get noticed and who's going to get followed. It's really what the, what's going to boil down to. I agree with that. And I just think, you know, competition should bring out the best in all of us. And, you know, being that, you know, these ladies are already in a competitive sport, it's also the same when it comes to front office work and, and also, uh, you know, competition amongst leagues. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's really about pushing women's football uh, forward. But you know, obviously, um, you know, these teams will want to have the success, um, you know, primarily for themselves. But just, you know, they would act like to have uh, success, not just primarily for themselves. I, I reiterate that one. Um, but I, I just really think that you're starting to see the evolution of, uh, you know, I think all of these teams are starting to find more avenues to become more business savvy. Um, and, and I think that that comes by, by watching others do things, um, you know, when, when these uh, owners get together, uh, you know, people kind of share information because at the end of the day, you know, you all want to be successful at the league. And, you know, if you can bring in people to, to come to the games and view the games and you can find ways to get them on TV and, you know, find out, you know, how you should approach a sponsor, you know, or potential sponsor. Um, I think all of those things go into it, but just, you know, looking how they're evolving. That's why I always ask, you know, when I ask some of these ladies who are involved in the games and especially behind the scenes on the business aspect, of, I always ask, you know, where do you see, you know, the league being in five years and you get a variety of different answers. And, um, you know, there is some unsurety uh, there, but what you're starting to see is a little bit more clarity, a little bit more business focus, a little bit more business savvy. And I just think that is a good thing going forward for all of these leagues. Um, and if they can help each other out, I think that's just great. All right. So um, we're going to get into a lot of interesting coming next spring because we are going to be following a lot more leagues. I'm, I'm already, my brain already, my brain's already exploded because it's just done. I followed too many international leagues already. And now we got to, you know, like uh, Holly says, we got like, you know, alphabet, alphabet soups now in the States as well. So there's going to be a lot of action in spring, the WNFC, the WFA, the USWSFL, the XXFL, the IWFA, 
Uh, we have no idea if the uh, the rebirth of the WF, IWFL, we're going to be doing WWCFL plus the MNWFL up in Canada. So um, how I remember all those, I do not know, but I just it just pops in my <laughs> brain every time I mention it. But anyways, uh, it's yeah, going to be a good thing. Right. It's going to be exciting, right, uh, Holly? I mean, this is uh, competition. I'm ex- actually excited for uh, just the, 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 the way that both leagues are kind of stepping up to the plate in terms of excitement. Now I'm really challenging the WFA for marketing purposes. I think they've already got to a level where they got enough teams and I got a, enough you know, franchises that are worthy. Now it's a matter of can they go into the next level, which we've all asked for, which is WFA Pro. So the next step for them is really yeah. that. Yeah, you know one of the interesting things um, that uh, uh, that Troy reminded me of is you know a while back when we've been discussing the future of the sport, it was it's always been really evident to me that the the historically really good teams in our sport have also been good on the business side. It, I don't think I've ever seen a really good team that doesn't have their business side, you know, at least together enough that they're functioning. If not, usually it's pretty good. And I think teams are starting to recognize that, that you, I think a lot of times you would have people that are well-intentioned and they would want to start their own team. And, and they think that it would, you know, they watch it on NFL. So they think, Oh, I can do that. And they don't realize how much work goes behind it. And so they were well-intentioned, but maybe didn't have the football or the, the business side, or you have people that are business-minded that didn't really understand football. So now you're starting to see both kind of come together in an intersection, and that's a sweet spot where you want to have people in positions on our teams and on the league side that understand both sides because that's where you really take off. And I think you're seeing teams that are starting to take that business side more seriously and, and be like, okay, it's not good enough anymore just to exist. We don't want to just like get through the season and, you know, lose a little bit money and we played and that was great. You know, now it's more like, okay, how can we build, how can we build for the future? And I think that's healthy and I'm excited to see what happens. Well, and the the bottom line is you're forcing a biz, a true business model. It happens in, you know, pro lacrosse. It happens in the Women's National Hockey League. It happens in every major sport. If you're not major in terms of attitude for business, we said it before, everybody takes offense to it, but then you be, you become recreational just like the YMCA. Just really what it is. So you got to be really, you know, business minded to get a product out there that's going to be viable. Because sponsors are not going to support something that's not legit. And technically, if you think about it, if you exist for so many years and you're valuable, then they consider that. If you're only going to exist for a year or two and you drop off the map, people are not going to take that seriously and you're not going to invest in that. So yeah, it's a key. Um, on that point, the Divas, the ownership of the Divas changed and Rich Daniel has taken over the Divas from what I'm told. So we'll try to get Rich on here, kind of get his ideas as to what's he going to do with the DC Divas going forward. But a historic franchise in, in the back of your woods there, uh, Troy. So Rich Daniels is going to be taken over for the Hamlin family who had it for a long time. Uh, I think uh, uh, Ali Hamlin's dad, owner of that. So now it's a transition in DC. Anytime you got to change in the guard, you, you get interested because you want to see 
how many things are they going to keep the same? How many things are going to change? Um, obviously, um, you know, the new ownership is going to have their own uh, thoughts on how to do things. And, you know, we'll see if it kind of changes things for the Divas on the field. I think, you know, as long as they leave that product and that system that they have intact, I think they'll be fine when it comes on the field. But we'll see how it, how it pans out on the business side. But I think it all kind of goes hand in hand. If the D.C. Divas keep winning, I think the business side will be pretty profitable. Holly, well, before we go into NFL here, would you be surprised or shocked if the Pittsburgh Passion completely disbanded? Yeah, I, I, I would because – I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if that makes sense, because we already witnessed the, you know, um, the Chicago Force going away, and that was really sad. But it, it would be surprising because they've been there for so long. They're kind of like that DC Chicago level where they just have been really good and really good on the business side. So I would be really sad if they, they went away. Um, sometimes when teams go away, though, there's a different uh, owner and a different team that will come up. Um, but I would really hope that the passion would stay around. Well, I don't have any uh, true info. I've just been told rumors from, you know, some of the group boards. Um, I have no idea whether that's the case or not. No announcement from the team officially. But that would be a big blow. It would be a big blow. You got New York that fell down and, and is kind of reinventing themselves. Uh, the Divas are transitioning ownership. Chicago fell off the map. Um, you know, Pittsburgh is literally a staple of staples in the WFA branding. So if that would fall, that would just give the WFA a really black eye. Oh, yeah, I think it would give the, the, the sport a black eye, honestly, because that's kind of like, it's kind of like, I don't know, um, like the Yankees or the Red Sox going away or like the Dodgers, like your Dodgers going away. Like those are teams that even when they haven't been good, they're still relevant because they're so they're such a um an awesome brand. And so if they do go away, I would be really sad, but I would hope that uh maybe it's kind of like a New York situation where somebody else would pop in there. So there's too there's too much talent in that area uh that to have uh, a team to play for. So we'll see what happens, but yeah, that would be sad. Yeah, I wasn't such devastated that my Dodgers lost to Troy's Red Sox. I'm just a two baseball fan, and given our manager's knucklehead moves, I just didn't think we were going to see it through. And as a realist, you know, you go 18 innings and you figure out you can't win the next game, and somehow you take your pitcher out. And anyways, you know, Troy, uh, it was like a it was like a tooth being pulled out of your ma- mouth. That's what it was when Hale got nabbed and I'm like oh my god no way I don't know man for me it was like going to the dentist and the dentist saying you don't have any cavities I mean you, you, your teeth are straight <laughs> you're, no. it you're seems so simple. nice <laughs> you're so nice you're so nice you get like a sticker and a, and, a, and like yeah. you know toys out of the drawer you'd be like are you sure this is sugar free it tastes pretty good oh my god like you should have heard me. You should have heard me yelling at the tube. You should have <laughs> heard me yelling at the tube. Uh, they were not nice words. There was not nice words. The three-year-old would have to say, "What did you say?" I said, "Shut up." That's what I said to them. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Hey, look, man. Dave Roberts did the best he could, man. But look, nobody was stopping the Red Sox this year. This is just their year. I mean, they had a historic year. They got you know the historic amount of wins. They were just far and far and away the best team in Major League Baseball. I mean, they were destined to win this year. I can't really put a whole lot on Dave Roberts on that one. He just his team ran into a buzzsaw. But look, man, I really like the way Yasiel uh, Puig, man. That dude, he is clutch. He is so clutch, man. I mean, so y'all got a lot to build on, but it's just, you know, this year was just too much Boston, man. I mean, the Red Sox just had it. It was just their year. I, I, when the fireworks went off in the eighth, I was like, what are we doing here, <laughs> wiffle ball? Wiffle ball? Really? I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what? well, this is Little League or what? What am I watching here? Oh, it was bad. Oh. It was bad. And I know you were right there next to the beer and just having a great time. Oh, <laughs> I know I you there. were there. I was having a ball. This has been the best playoff baseball play I've seen oh, in years, man. God. We the Reds, Yankees again. I mean, was, look, we win the hey, when, you know, we win the pen. When Poppy dancing in that uh, FS1, and he's dancing around and having a great time, I kind of figured out that we were going downhill. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm, Guy's too happy. You know what I mean? That guy was too happy. I was like, oh no, we don't have a shot. And then, and Kershaw gets lit up. It was over. He gets lit up one home run, and then the next home run, I'm like, it's done. I felt so bad for the guy because his postseason resume has just been horrible. And and there it was once again on display. (laughs) It was bad. When they, you know, what's really funny is that um, you know the Dodgers are up four to nothing, and so my my wife was watching it, and then she's like, oh, you know, okay, it's hard nothing, and she watched something else. And I was in another room watching football, and then I saw this, like, uh, score pop up, and it said 8-4. to four. And I was like, what the hell? And I went inside. I'm like, go put the game back on. <laughs> Nothing's happened. <laughs> yeah, you and me, you and me, Holly, because I was, I was in the, uh, what you call, uh, meditation room in the house. <laughs> and I was like on an alert, and I'm like, "What is going on here? This is not good." And then I start to see the highlights, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is not good." And then my you wife, oh, they I'm... got another game, another game. They get, I said, "No, they don't have another game." I told her, "We are done." They they have cooked us. You got Kershaw tomorrow. I said he's gonna get lit up. That's what I told her. I'm, I'm as good as he thinks he is. He's gonna get lit up. And what happened? It was like fireworks. Oh my God! Hey man, I had I had cheese and crackers. I had charcuterie out. I was just relaxed. You're so bad. You're so bad. I know how the Red Sox play, man. I mean, especially when it comes to how, how many two hit two out runs that they make. I mean, oh, that yeah. Team, oh, yeah. they don't. Oh, yeah. How many outs it is? What the score is, they can figure a way to get out of it. So I was sitting back, relaxed, man. I, I, I had me some, I had some nice port wine, had it airing out a little bit. I was relaxed, man. I knew what was coming. So I, look, yeah. I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm having a great year. The Capitals win the title. You know, my Red Sox win the title. My Redskins in first place. Michigan is in first place. I mean, we we got to work on the bullets a little bit. You know, we got to work on the wizards. We got to work on them a little bit. But I'm having a great year. I'm I'm enjoying it right now. I bet you are. Bet you are. The only good thing about it is uh, my Rams are eight and zero, 
So I had to turn around the other side and go, okay, we're, it's a good Sunday. It was good. We're good. Yeah, so, you know. It's a good trade. That's a good trade. They look like a Super Bowl. And then, look, they just – they added Fowler. They added Dante Fowler. They got the trade from the Jaguars uh, today. So now they just added another pass rusher to that defensive front. They are – they. I mean, far and away, they look like the best Troy. team in the NFL right Troy, getting that call? <laughs> what do you think of that guy's thinking? Tell me out of here. I'm a dumpster fire. <laughs> 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 oh my God, man! He 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 has to be ecstatic, you know, to go from the Jaguars, who they took a huge dip this year. Everybody kind of figured they might be a Super Bowl team, and they've kind of fallen back to the pack. And then to be traded to the L.A. Rams, number one, you're out in La La Land. I mean, you know that that can't be bad. Um, and then you're playing for a winner right now, a team that's undefeated that is red hot. They right now are cooking with they, they're cooking with grease, man. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they play, how they finish out the year. They just got another weapon on that defense, and so that that pass rush is just fierce. Aaron Donald right now is my favorite player to watch. He is my favorite player to watch. That guy, and a lot of people don't realize, man, Aaron Donald is only 280 pounds, and he is throwing guys around. He's got 10 sacks on the season right now. That dude far and away is earning his money, every bit of that money that he he was paid in the offseason. Well, money well spent for the for the L.A. Rams. They right now, like I said, look like the hottest team in the NFL, and that includes the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. So let's talk NFL. Um, Holly, I know you're going to be in pain, but what the hell happened in Arizona? This was a winnable game for the Niners. I watched this game. I had I was forced to watch this game on this side of the coast. But the winnable game for the Niners, and they didn't win. Well, here's the thing. We're just not very good this year. So, (laughs) um, we lost not once, but twice to the Cardinals, who are god-awful. And it's one of those things that you, you look on paper, and it's like, okay, we have some talent there. And we don't actually usually play that bad. The biggest thing that we've had an issue with is turnovers. Our turnover ratio ratio is the worst in the NFL by far. To the point when we had when we created the turnover against the Cardinals, it was only like the second or third one we have all year. We like um I think the last time we played the Cardinals we turned it over like four or five times. Turnovers are just killers in the NFL when you're talking about the fact that teams usually will score twenty to thirty points. And if you turn the ball over three or four times, that's just gifting away points. And so we definitely have had holes even when we had the Garoppolo play. And, you know, there's definitely a fall off now that he's not there. CJ's played decently, but uh, he's kind of that quarterback that one play he'll make a really tough, like, run up the middle and kind of get knocked around, and you're like, yeah, because you want your quarterback to be tough. But then the next play he'll just, like, fumble it away. And then we'll we'll move the ball to, like, 10, and we'll say, here you go, we're just going to give it back to you. And so, anyways, we're up on the Cardinals, and then they made moves to come back, and we got in field goal position, and literally all we needed was another five yards, 
There are seven seconds left. We get up five yards. We hit the field goal. We have a good kicker. You know, at least we have a shot to go in overtime. And you know what happened? The epitome of the entire season in one play. We snap it over the quarterback's head. It goes. I just have to focus on like the lottery and see what we have left, you know, play people that you might not normally play because this is a disaster and we still have talent, but you know, I'm kind of hoping long-term that maybe if we do get better draft picks again this year, that maybe that will help when we get some of those pieces back next year. But right now I know it's just not our year. <laughs> I just kind of figured, you know, they they were up and on upswing. They, this was a winnable game by them, and they just didn't yeah. have it to to do it. And like you said, turnover is a big deal. But Bethard has played well. Uh, you know, Breda has played well. Kittle, uh, you know, uh, so they just they have some weapons. It's just, I think Shanahan was probably the most disappointed in the loss because they just this is winnable and they just couldn't ma- couldn't match it. And the fact that they've lost to the Cardinals now more times, it's just. Yeah, they just don't want it. Um, Troy, uh, the Saints take care of Cousins and company, and so they're going up against the Rams this coming week. So um, this will be a test for the Rams, do you think, week nine? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, because here's the thing. The, 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 the Saints have proved that they can win in a variety of different ways. They scored 30 points, and Drew Brees only threw for about 150, 160 yards. So they can score and make get points from a variety of different places. Also, they, they set out to bolster that defense. Eli Apple, um, they got an extra corner out there. So I just think that the Saints are kind of they're, – they're positioning themselves for, for a bit of a run. I think – you know, with Carolina's kind of nipping on their heels, but they have a chance to run away with that division. And But this is also a statement game because they know that they're, you know, everyone in the NFL or everyone who watches the NFL right now thinks that the Rams are the best team and they want to be known as the best team. And, and you know what, to position themselves, if they get the chance to beat the Rams and knock them down a little bit of a notch, they still have a chance to home field advantage for the playoffs. That is huge anytime, especially when you're going into the Superdome, uh, where they, they can get as loud as anybody in the NFL, and that's including over at Arrowhead Stadium. So this is going to be a huge game for the Saints. This is around the time it's midseason now. Um, this is the, where, where the Saints are starting to, you know, look for playoff position. And this is going to be a huge game, huge test. Everybody's going to be watching this game. It's all eyes on this game right here. So – I can't wait. I'm definitely tuning in to watch. Holly, uh, what do we say for the Chiefs? Chiefs kind of, you know, get uh, get the win at home against the Broncos. Kind of a nice test there. And so the Chiefs kind of neck and neck with the Rams here in terms of top dogs in the whole league. Uh, Denver has played competitive versus both teams, Rams and the Chiefs. So Mahomes still continues to get the wins. Yeah, you know what, like, if you're talking about the best team in the NFL, I think you're right um, in that the Rams top to bottom um, offense and defense, if you combine the two, are definitely the best team. The Chiefs, I do think, have a better 
ex more explosive offense than the Rams. But the the problem with the Chiefs right now is their their defense. Um, sometimes they'll they'll make plays and kind of be a, a bend but don't break type of defense. But if you want to beat the Chiefs, they have a weakness in that uh, you can run on them. And so if you if I were playing the Chiefs, I'd run the ball on them and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands, and that's really kind of how you you have to beat uh, the Chiefs. Where the Rams, it, it's harder to find that uh, glaring weakness. Um, so, you know, I think the Chiefs, they're knocking on the door, and I think they're, po they're poised to make a deep run into the playoffs. I don't know if they're quite ready for the Super Bowl because there's some holes on that defense. But if they don't, you know, make the, the Super Bowl this year, they're so young that they're going to be good for a few years. So that their window is just beginning. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, they're, they're kind of eventually going to run into that Seahawks problem where their talent is so young that their window, they have to take care of it now because eventually people are going to want to get paid. So we'll see what the, they do, but it was a good win for them against the Broncos and they're really fun to watch. I know I'm not necessarily a Chiefs fan per se, but I love watching their offense work. It's really kind of fun. Hey, can I Troy? Can what I do we say? Something? Go ahead. Can I say something? I'm trying to figure out why Kareem Hunt does not get the love that he should. Look, I understand. Oh my goodness! Yes. Leading the NFL in the rushing, Ezekiel Elliott, the guy's a monster. He's a beast. Le'Veon Bell, guys like that. Why is it Kareem Hunt getting that love? Honestly, if you watch that dude play, he is a football player. I've never seen a bat this year lower his shoulder and blast into defenders and leave them flying like he has. And he's only 216 pounds. And then, and then look, here's the here's the, the 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 rub on that. Alvin Kamara is 215 pounds. They're both the same size. Alvin Kamara does not run like Kareem Hunt. That dude runs with a purpose. He really needs to get more love. He is completely underappreciated because and, and and it's not necessarily his fault. Mahomes right now is kind of taking all the headlines. That offense is so explosive and they have so many moving parts on that offense. But that is the guy. That guy right there, he really needs to get more pub because he's a fantastic football player. And I implore everyone to watch it. If you watch this kid play, that's what really will get you to, to actually love watching running backs play because he plays it like it's supposed to be played. He hurdled What's a guy um, in a run. Kareem, <laughs> Kareem Hunt hurdled a guy in this last game that was I was just floored about. You're totally right, Troy. And I think he kind of has that problem where he is not the loudest guy in the room. And and so, you know, you, you have backs like Ezekiel that get more of that uh, – that spotlight and Mahomes is is a big story this year. So you're right, he's getting that love as much. But I I will tell you, if they didn't have Hunt, they would not be you know seven to one right now because Please. having him run that ball like he's running the ball, it makes their passing game so much more deadly. And he also catches passes. So if they didn't have him, they would not be this good. So you're absolutely right. Troy, what's happening in Cleveland? You know what? Initially, when I saw that Hugh Jackson was being fired, I, it kind of bothered me. And I say that because, you know, look, before the season started, I mean, look, the guy was 
one and thirty one, you know? And, you know, he wins two more games for you this year. They've been in every game. It's like a better team. I just didn't think this was the time to fire him. But on the other side, how can you argue with a guy that has a record of three and thirty six? You, you you can't really argue for that. You know, it's in a three three thirty six 36 and 1, I believe. You can't really so he's a, advocate for a guy, you know, Troy, that kind Troy, of he's, a dr- he's an alcoholic, and you can't just sober him up. So, they, we got to get rid of him. Yeah. It's a little bit what happens. You got to do something, man. I mean, but I just – I don't know. I mean, I, I can never sit there and cape for the Browns. I will never sit back and say, hey, a great move by the Browns because it's the Browns. You never know what the hell their moves are going to be. And how it's going to pan out because they have the worst luck out of any franchise I've ever seen in life. Uh, but I thought they were heading in the right direction. I felt like if they would have given Hugh probably this year, maybe another year, maybe they could have improved. Um, I'm uh, getting rid of Todd Haley doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I mean, he's just now getting continuity with these guys. The Browns management has been notoriously um, uh, impatient. Uh, they should have given a lot of guys more chances or a little bit more time to turn things around. I mean, you can't keep going like this. And not to mention, it's not a whole lot of people trying to get up to, you know, to, to Ohio to, to play for, you know, I mean, to coach the Cleveland Browns. You're not going to get, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, a Hall of Fame coach out there. You're going to have to get a young guy. But if you're a young guy and you're, you know, tired about other NFL teams, is Cleveland the place that you want to go? I'm not sure. I mean, they've shown that they are not patient. They've shown that, you know, they've made so many gaffes and so many different mistakes. You know, who really – it's going to be hard to get somebody in there that's viable, someone in there that's going to turn that franchise around when the franchise itself has shown just they are prone to instability. So I'm not sure exactly what they were thinking. I thought Hugh was a good fit for what they were doing right now, and now he finally has some talent and players out there. But again, you can't argue with the with the record. His record is what it, what, what the record is. Holly, what do we say of the Seahawks' resurgence, and what do we say of the Lions' downfall here? Twenty fourteen, Seattle looks on an upswing, and the Lions just continue to look like they're going down again. Well, it's okay. Number one, the Lions are kind of doing what they usually do. Um, they, they, it's, the Lions have typically the last few years kind of been fool's gold, um, you know, and it's kind of what the Chiefs have been too, although the Chiefs seem to have turned a corner on that. For the Lions, you're like, oh, look at the talent they have, and then they just fall apart. Um, so I think, I think for them, they're just not consistent enough. I think Matt Patricia, it's going to be interesting to see. I think he's a great um, coordinator but I don't know if he's quite the head coach yet, but I think he does deserve at least a couple of years to see what he can do. But I definitely think that they need to make some moves in the off season to turn that corner. Because if I'm a Lions fan, I'd be entirely frustrated that you're just mediocre every year and you're not, you're not really turning the corner on anything. The Seahawks, you know, they finally started listening to me and they're running the ball and good Did things you happen when you run the ball. I don't know. Now I'm sad because I'm a Niners fan, and I didn't want them to actually approve, but apparently (laughs) (laughs) because 
um, you know, Chris Carson's really helps, and they finally have some uh, healthy rotation in the backfield. And when you give Russell a running game, he's so much more effective. And so I think they're with the more balance on their offense, they're starting to gain some confidence. Um, and I think they're starting to gel a little bit more in defense, you know, with a lot of people that they, they lost over the off season, a lot of the injuries they've had, they've had a lot of drama on that side of the ball. So I think they're starting to gel a little bit more. Um, and uh, so we'll see what happens. I think, I don't, you know, the Seahawks are not necessarily world beaters, but they definitely have pulled themselves up from where they could have easily dropped off. So we'll see. The key to them is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. If they can do that, then they might be able to backdoor their way into like a wild card type situation. But that's a far away way, so they really need to focus on one game at a time if they want to get there. Hey, uh, Troy, the other team in Ohio, the Bengals, and then Tampa Bay, I don't know what's going on there. Winston just, I guess, getting replaced from what I hear now from the rumor mills, getting fixed magic back. But the Bengals there, you know, the coach there hasn't got fired. So I'm assuming uh, he's better than Cleveland. Oh, yeah. I mean, Marvin Lewis, you know, um, a lot of people are trying to figure out how he has kept his job. I mean, he's been there 17 years and- the Bengals still haven't won one playoff game during that time. Uh, but And he's had plenty of rope to, you know, to, you know, kind of do what he does and try to make things happen. And, um, you know, right now I think you can say some years it has paid off. No, it didn't get, you know, you didn't get playoff games, but at least you got a viable franchise, I mean, a, a viable team. And right now it looks like more of the same, I mean, because – you know, right now the Cincinnati Bengals are five and three, and you know, don't look now, but they're right in the midst of possibly winning this division. And if they can win the division and get in the playoffs, and maybe they can get a little bit of luck this time, um, maybe things turn around. I mean, Pittsburgh has kind of turned their their season around. They're four two and one, so they're right behind Pittsburgh, and you know that's their hated rival. So whenever they get together. Um, you know, bad things happen, and they're, you know, probably going to be, if, they, if the race stays how it is, they're going to be the last game of the season this year on um, on December 30th. Uh, so, you know, it, it may come down to the wire to see who's going to win the division this year. Uh, with the with the Buccaneers, I mean, what can you say? I mean, now it's back to Fitzmagic. He almost bought him back again. But listen, man, this is what Ryan Fitzpatrick does. He brings you in and he makes you think, Man, this guy is really good. He, maybe this is the year we turned it around. But I've never seen a player with more ebbs and flows than that guy. You will see him throw absolute dimes like he did in the first two games of the season and then the first three games of the season. And then he looks so awful against the Steelers. Um, so you never know who you're going to get when it comes to Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, but the one thing you can you can honestly sit back and say, is that Jameis Winston has completely regressed. He has really not gotten better. And you expect a, a player of his caliber in the place where he was drafted to get better, but he makes really bad decisions with the football. He always has. Even at Florida State, he's kind of, you know, been a wild card. When he was in the NFL, he's a bit of a gunslinger, but you expected him to kind of, you know, go on the Aaron Rodgers side of getting, you know, stop doing all the turnovers. But he hasn't corrected that problem. 
and that's the quickest way you can get the hook in the NFL is if you're a quarterback and you're missing either wide open reads or you are turning the ball over. That's the quickest way to get out, and that's what he's facing right now. But he's a young player. Um, you know, he can bounce back, and he has the mental fortitude to do it. But right now, I just think they should go with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a hot hand, and if you're trying to win, and right now the Buccaneers are three and four, and they're not completely out of the race, but you know what? They've still got time left in the season, and they still have a pretty good franchise and a pretty good team where they can make some things happen if they can stay on track. Holly, what do we say about Chicago? Are they for real? They look like they're going to own the North, and they get take, they take care of the Jets. Trubisky coming through. He looks, he looks sharp at certain games, but overall he's managing the, managing the game. And then you got Cohen. Gabriel, he's got weapons there. And then, uh, of course, you got Khalil Mack on the, leading the defense. So, is, is Chicago for real here? And it looks like they are in the north. You know, I, I, I think they very possibly could be. They definitely have improved, obviously, on the defensive side of the ball. Trevinsky, he is improving, but he still needs to get more consistent. You know, some, some games – he looks on fire, and in other games, his decision-making is really not the best. He's kind of, you know, where you would expect a young quarterback to be. Um, so if they want to make a playoff run, he's going to have to shore up um, that decision-making every on a game-by-game basis. I, I do think that they have some obvious talent. You know, uh, Jordan Howard and Cohen um, have obviously been explosive weapons for them. I, I, you know, they're not quite there yet, but they're almost there. And it's kind of fun because they they were kind of the, the cousins of the Browns for a minute where they were just really bad. So it's really nice to see them, you know, regaining some steam because football's always more fun when you have the Bears and the Packers going at it. And having them relevant, I think, is really good for the sport. They're, they're a really historic program. Um, they play the Bills next week, and the Bills are god-awful, so they should they should be okay in that game. I think it's too early to say, but I think they just really need to take their time and go out of the game at a time, and they could easily find themselves into the playoffs. I don't know if they're ready yet to uh, take on that NFC title, but uh, they're de- they definitely have improved over last year. Troy, what do we say about the Colts? Luck is bringing them back. They're up and down. That's been their season so far. They take care of the lonely Raiders here, who are obviously it's just a disaster. So they put up a 42-burger uh, versus 28. And so uh, Oakland, we already know, kind of a rebuild here already, as they've sold everybody, and a Cooper into Dallas and Khalil to Chicago and et cetera. Mm-hmm. So uh, Andrew Luck at this point, somewhat decent now. He's starting to come uh, together here. So the Colts could be relevant in the next couple of weeks if they keep this up. Oh, man, isn't it good to see that kid out there slinging it around? Man, look, I, I'm a fan of football, so I'm definitely a fan of Andrew Luck. I mean, the dude is a warrior. He does it the right way. He prepares hard. He's smart. He's got the strong arm. And, look, he even congratulates defenders when they knock him down. How can you not like a guy like that? So to see this guy come back from a, a shoulder injury that possibly could have ended his career, he looks great right now. But listen, I'm going to tell you what's really making this team click is Marlon Mack. 
you got Marlon Mack from the South Florida Bulls. And, look, he was drafted, I, I, I think this is his second year. And now he's starting at 25 carries at 132 yards and two touchdowns. You kidding me? You give Andrew Luck a running game? I, that's really what's going to carry the team. I really do. I, I really think that if they can find a way to get on track, Houston is very unstable. Tennessee Titans, very unstable. Jacksonville Jaguars, extremely unstable. That whole division is just rocky right now. When Andrew Luck came together, he's the type of guy who can galvanize. I don't think and – and Mariota can do the same thing with the Titans, all right? I'm just saying that from a leadership perspective. Those are the guys that can get their teams together and say, look, this is our shot. This is what we can do. We can make this happen. They can string together some wins. They've beaten good teams, and they've never been close this whole time. But I just think if they can go ahead and sustain a rushing game, if they can um, – and also they need to get their um, their defense – I forgot the defensive lineman's name. Uh, he came from uh, Cincinnati, Marcus Hunt. That guy right there has really changed what the defense is, is doing on um, uh, Indianapolis Colts also because he is living up to his potential. He's six seven guy. He's about 280 pounds. He's athletic now. He's making more plays than he made in Cincinnati Bengals this season than he, than he made his whole career in Cincinnati. So they're finding some ways to win, and right now they're three and five, but they have a chance to, to, to make a run right now. And I think if they can sustain, you know, defensive line work, uh, running the football, keeping luck clean. That makes him a better quarterback, honestly. I, he doesn't need to throw it 50 times a game. You don't want him doing that, especially, you know, with his propensity to get hurt. So I like what they're doing right now. Uh, the Raiders right now, they're in shambles. I mean, and they honestly, they're throwing the season away. They traded Khalil Mack. They traded Amari Cooper. They know they're done. So they want to go ahead and stockpile picks, and I don't know why they're following the Browns' blueprint. Who wants to follow their team? Anything that they do, I would just go and go in the opposite. But that's what they're doing. They're stockpiling picks. They want to see what they can make of it next year. So, um, But right now, I think the Colts got a good chance to make a good run. Holly, uh, if you were a Patriots fan, were you kind of like uh, scared in a way in the first two quarters there when the Bills are – you're beating them by nine to six and on a, on field goals until they got going there. But I mean, Buffalo actually was holding the Patriots. So it's kind of weird. And when you were watching the game, you know, um, it's one of those things that my wife is actually a Patriots fan. And it's exactly what she was thinking. She was like, we're not playing that great. And you, and it's one of those things that when you're watching your team, not play their best ball. They're still winning, but you're like, oh, my gosh, we're playing the Bills. We should be pulling this team out. There's no way it should be this close. That it was almost kind of a relief when they got that uh, that pick six at the end to kind of break it open. Because I think the Patriots, I don't know, like they, they were moving the ball and then they just couldn't finish the drives. And to the Bills' credit, they, they held in there, but the Bills are – they just are not. They just are not having a great year. Um, I think. I think the Patriots. Um, uh, they really just weren't quite clicking, and that will happen from time to time. But the interesting thing about the Patriots is they don't always win the prettiest games. That's not what they're known for. And when they're good, they don't even really blow teams out. I think the only year that I really saw them blow teams out was when they were eight. Ugly, even when it's not going their way, and that's what makes them really good. 
and um, you word if you're a Patriots fan because you have to be kind of used to that. Um, they are. They, they find a way to do it. Now, are you looking forward to next Thursday, Holly? It's the Raiders, Niners, the Battle of the Bay. There should be no reason Frisco doesn't win this. Well, you know, it's really the battle of the first pick. <laughs> like, that's what it really is at this point. Um, I mean, honestly, I think the Niners are we're better than our record, but we're not much better than our record. We only have one win, but I think we, you know, in my opinion, should be like at three maybe at this point. Um, but really should be Raiders. We're a better team on on the field and on paper, but if we turn the ball over three or four times a game, any team's going to beat us. So if we take care of the ball, then we should be okay. But, again, I hesitate to say that because I, I kept thinking we're going to beat the Cardinals. I was like, there's no way we're going to lose to the Cardinals. Like, this will be a chance for us to – kind of get some confidence going and and I know after that loss the the, the Niners players are really really upset because I, I know that they had higher expectations for this this year like we all did as fans and not that we thought we were going to be in the Super Bowl but we just we thought we were on the right path and to have the wheels fall off is just really frustrating so maybe they'll get their stuff together and take it out on the Raiders but they, it will not help us if we turn the ball over so you know, I'm going to harp on that the rest of the season. Take care of the ball and good things happen. All right. So you're out, you're out. Um, you're uh, Holly. You're out, right? Yeah, I got I got to head out, but uh, I'll be on next week. Awesome. We'll so we'll catch you next week. Thanks for coming in. Really appreciate your insights. Uh, Troy, go ahead. All right. Have a good night. Yeah. Holly. Yeah, but uh, you know what? Speaking of the 49ers, man, they're not a bad football team, man. I mean, they've been in pretty much every game that they played this year other than the Rams game. And so, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, even the Kansas City game, and, and I just think, I think, honestly, they came out of that game on the short side because Garoppolo got hurt. Uh, but they can battle, man. I mean, they I like what they have on the defensive front. Uh, it doesn't really show on a lot of the games that they play because a lot of teams score over like 30 points on them. Um, but I like the way that they can play in, on the defensive line. Uh, they can, you know, if they can get some consistency with running the football, I mean, when you got a Kyle Shanahan offense, he'll find a back that can get in there and do that. So they, you know, they've had Mostert in there. They've had um, uh, uh, Morris. They've had Breda in there. So, I mean, they get guys in there to run the football. But right now, you know, with, with Beathard at quarterback, and he's not a bad quarterback. I, I know the ones people want to kill this kid, but he's still learning. He's a young kid. He wasn't drafted very high, but I think he battles out there. He's a former Iowa quarterback. He's tough. They can win this game. I think, honestly, they'll come out on top against Oakland this week. And Are you breaking up? Are you okay? Yeah, I think you're breaking up. I don't know if that's a line. That's a line or not. Um, is uh, who's on the line with us? Is it is it uh, Mackenzie? It is the Queen of Salt. I'm here. Salty in the house. All right. 
Um, Mackenzie, we we're just talking NFL when you first came on. So let's go into week nine. We already talked week eight with Holly and, and Troy here. We were just talking about the Raiders and Niners on Thursday. But uh, we got um, this week coming up here, big matchups. You got Steelers, Ravens. That's always interesting. Uh, you got the uh, Jets, Dolphins, which is probably not in- as interesting. So um, take, take your pick on who you're giving us insights here, the Steelers, Ravens, or you want to do Jets and Dolphins? Um, we're gonna go. We're gonna go with the Steelers and the Ravens. So here's All right. my take. So uh, the Baltimore Ravens just got Ty Montgomery, and I'm not sure if they're going to replace their current running back with him as their starter. If they do that, I see the Ravens winning this game. If they don't do that, I see it possibly going into a tie or the Steelers winning by three. So you're taking the Steelers at this point for that matchup? Uh, you really think that they're going to be more dominant? Yeah. Just, I agree. It, I think It's that, not going to be more dominant. They're just – they're going to have more of a rhythm put together than, than the Ravens do if they don't play Ty Montgomery at running back. Yeah, and I don't think they've missed Le'Veon Bell as much as everybody thinks that they missed Le'Veon Bell. So I don't know about how Le'Veon's looking at this, but they have not missed Le'Veon Bell separate uh, with Connor at the in that backfield. Yeah, and see, and that's the thing is that even though you know James Connor was you know or up until the start of the season was the second string quarter or second string running back, he's still been making touchdowns and rushing for yards, people seem to forget that he's a very viable running back. And you got Roethlisberger there as well. So, um, Troy, let's go to Jets and Dolphins. So, these are two bad teams going in the opposite – I mean, the same direction, basically. Jets started out pretty hot with uh, Darnold there, and all of a sudden Tannehill falls down, and then you got the Dolphins just – you know, that one point we thought the Dolphins were going to be for real. But now these two teams are in that – East division, which at this point we don't think they're going to win anything because, you know, the, the Patriots own it. So what do we say of this game? Well, I mean, if you're a football player, you know, the New York Jets against the Miami Dolphins, that's a, that's a pretty fun rivalry. You know, during that game, you'll see a whole lot of clips about, some, you know, great comeback games and things like that. You're not going to see any of that in this game. And, and you know, and, and it's just well, I, I think I think your phone's breaking up because I could barely hear you with the stuttering. So I don't know if you I don't know if it's your phone or your line. Can you hear that, Mackenzie, or am I just me? Hey, you guys hear me? Are you? I could try again. I said I can hear the static in his line. That's what I mean, uh, static on the line. I could barely hear him on my end, so I don't know if it's me or just that line itself. Um, Troy, I don't know if you can uh, hang up and then redial. I don't know if that would help it. So I don't know if that's the case, but it looks like it's breaking out and stuff like that. Um, Mackenzie, uh, let's until Troy gets back here. Um, Mackenzie, so what do you say of this, too? I mean, it's like the Dolphins and Jets kind of going in the reverse now. They were going pretty much, you know, the first couple of weeks, everybody's hyped up. Okay, you know, you got Donald playing well. 
You got, you know, the Dolphins playing so somewhat well, and then all of a sudden now we're we're on a downswing. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with with Troy as far as well, and you as far as them uh, kind of going in the same downward direction very fast and at pretty much at the same speed. Um, I mean, if I have to pick one, I think I'm just going to go with the Jets, just because. That would be my I mean, pick I because really... I don't think the Dolphins have shown anything really relevant. And they have weapons; they got steel and everybody else, but it just seems like the Jets would probably be the more the better team to pick with this game going forward. But it's not a crucial game in this East division because the Patriots are literally the front runners here and the bills are non-existent. So literally a, a battle for second place, I guess, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I probably, I have to agree with you. Like it's like, I can't, I don't know. I just can't really differentiate more than the other one. Like I said, if I have to pick, it's going to be the New York Jets. Yeah, they got a better run game there with the Jets. Uh, the the receivers are a little better. The tight ends better. Um, the quarterback seems to be the the bigger you know the bigger pick there. So, um, Mackenzie, what do we say of Chicago? The Bills taking on Bears. Bears literally with Trubisky now standing out. You got Cohen, Gabriel, that Mac defense. Uh, I just don't see the Bills making a game out of this. Um, I mean, they, they almost did against the Patriots, but then they, they kind of the Patriots woke up in a way, but I just don't see the bill, uh, the bears falling into the bills this coming Sunday. I have to agree with you only for the plain sense that, you know, now that the Chicago bears have viable parts around Trubisky and now that they have a viable defense with Khalil Mack, with Danny Trevathan, I don't see the bills I see them scoring. I don't see them doing enough to outscore Trubisky in that offense, especially because Trubisky is a mobile quarterback. He's not – he doesn't move around very much, but he can move when he needs to, which makes him a lethal weapon because he has a gunslinger's arm. And when you watch him move around in the pocket, whether he's evading a tackle or looking for his next hot read, it's – you can't really – stop him once he gets going. He's a lot like Tom Brady as far as once he's hot, it's hard to stop him. All right. Let's, I think we have Troy back. Um, Troy, are you back? Yo. What's up, man? All right. There you are. More clarity. Uh, Troy, let's go with the Chargers-Seahawks. No, Chargers under the radar, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Seahawks on an upswing. So this is going to be an interesting game. Uh, Rivers taking on Wilson. Uh, we're going to see literally Chargers win this. It's a good sign because they're going to stay right there neck and neck with the Chiefs. Chargers right now one of the hottest teams in the NFL, man. I mean, look, they won five out of the last, you know, uh, uh, their last six. Uh, and typically this this uh, San Diego, I keep calling them San Diego, typically this Chargers team, they start off slow and then end the year strong. And we kind of talked about this last week, but this year is a little bit different. So they have, you know, they they got a movement, you know, going with them. Now a lot of people will sit back and they'll question their schedule. And you can sit back and see that they lost to the Chiefs and the Rams and the teams that they beat: Bills, Forty ers Raiders, Browns, the Titans. So not exactly murderers' row. And they're going against the Seahawks, 
up in Century League Field, and we already know what the Seahawks' uh, home field advantage is. And a lot of people sit back and think the Seahawks are not the Seahawks of, 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 of yore with the Legion of Boom, and they're not. But they are a very underrated team. They're right now they're ranked number four in the NFL. So San Diego going up to Seattle with Phillip Rivers, this is just another test for this team. So they won the games that they were saying, if you want to, you know, say the other side of it, they lost the games that they were supposed to lose. This is going to be one of those games where they sit back and say, listen, we're playing against a team that's pretty much on par with us. And it's going to be a battle. Up in Central League Field, it's not easy to win. But they have to keep pace with the Kansas City Chiefs. They know how important it is. Right now, they're a game and a half behind them. So they need to really keep pace with this team if they're going to make their stamp in the playoffs. And I just think right now is the time where they can make that move. So I really think they're going to do well, especially with the rest that they've had. They may be getting some players back this week. Uh, Seahawks, um, like I said, they're a tough defense. uh, And they're finding ways to run the ball, as Holly talked about also. Uh, They've decided to go ahead and, and, and put Chris Carson out there and let him run the ball. He's a little bit healthier now. You're taking a lot of the pressure off of Russell Wilson in that passing game because, look, Doug Baldwin is one guy, but you really don't have too many other threats. So Russell Wilson is really making a lot happen on the offensive side of the ball. But if he can run the football and take a lot of the pressure off of that offensive line and and pass blocking is not their strength, this is going to be a tough matchup for both of those teams. But let me tell you something. I'm going to pick the San Diego Chargers on this one. I think San Diego has something going right now. Despite the level of quality of teams that they beat, they have a run. And, listen, when it comes to winning, winning becomes contagious, and you start to expect those things. I think the Chargers right now should expect it, and I look forward to them having a good show, and especially with Melvin Gordon also coming back this week to play. McKenzie, they're a winning. Chargers are up and swing. The other team that is surprising everybody, four, I believe, five wins already. Texans going to Denver this week. Denver has lost close games to the Rams, to the Chiefs. I mean, they've by a touchdown or almost a touchdown. So, the, does the Texans have to prove them their might here? They, this is a real caliber team they're facing against the Broncos. Hmm. Um, I'm gonna have to go. Yeah, honestly. See, this is a tough one for me. Um. Like I said, we you know we've seen what Denver can do. Obviously, we've seen what the Texans can do. The Texans beat my Cowboys, which I'm still salty about, but that's another story. Oh yeah, um, I'm going to take the Texans by ten. Yeah, Watson's played well. Uh, you got JJ Watts coming back. They got some weapons, and uh, I believe Hopkins. So you know they're on an upswing right now. Uh, they've they're on a winning streak. Denver uh, needs to snap a winning streak, uh, a losing streak. So it's gonna be a good game, I think, all the way around. Yeah, yeah. And I still think. Oh. Go ahead, guys. No, I was saying that J.J. Watt isn't getting a whole lot of that pub either. I mean, he's quietly had a great year, especially playing the defensive tackle coming off an injury year. He has eight sacks this year. Nobody's really talking about J.J. Watt. So, I mean, you're talking about a team that really has a lot of talent, especially at wide receiver. They lost Will Fuller. Uh, He's out for the season at the the wide receiver position. But 
They found uh, Kiki Kuti. They found him. Uh, you know, they're finding ways to put to put guys in the lineup that can bolster that wide receiver core to help Deshaun Watson out. So I like what they're doing right now, but you never can tell with the Houston Texans, man. I mean, when it comes down to it, they have to, when they get to the playoffs, they really don't do well. And you're looking at a team that's just that just ebbs and flows. They started off the season, they lost three straight, one of them including the Giants, and then they reeled off five straight, all against teams that are having some issues, Colts, Cowboys, Bills, Jaguars, and Dolphins. So which team are we going to see? The Broncos right now, they're in transition. They got a lot of guys that are coming in and out. They just traded Demarius Thomas to the Texans. You know he's going to be motivated to see that team. Uh, so I'm looking at the Texans, man. I think the Texans are going to come in and start chopping. They're coming into Mile High Stadium, though, so that's a tough place to play. But I really like what the Houston Texans are doing, getting that stuff figured out, and that, and now they're on a nice little roll right now. Mackenzie, I mean, to, to Troy's point, it looks like Houston has a lot of pieces put together now. You, you've seen her front, front and center against your Cowboys. So um, my question is, is Houston really a threat here now in the South? They are, and they're, they're looking like when J.J. had that big year, uh, you know, just bolo over on, on their defensive end. Yeah, they're, I feel like the Texans are going to – I mean, not going to, but they are, as of right now, a formidable team in the South. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season unfolds, especially because, like I said a couple weeks ago, Deshaun Watson, I feel like, is still going to have to prove himself, um, you know, because he's coming back off of that injury, uh, just like J.J. Watt is. Just like Troy said, you know, J.J. Watt is, is averaging eight sacks a game, eight tackles a game, and no one's really talking about that, which I feel like is crazy. No, right, and he's having a kind of like a rebound year, and but Watson's so talented, and that's the reason I'm bringing it up is because they have weapons, but are they for real? Because they've shown that before, as Troy's point before. Now we're looking at if they can beat the Broncos here, very, very good game against them. And it's going to be a, a, kind of a, dif- a difference maker for them because they're on a winning streak now. They'd be like, I think, six in a row now, or almost five in a row. So that's what's well for them. Absolutely. Not to mention, man, All right. man they, they, they have one of the, in my opinion, and I know we got, you know, uh, guys up there like Odell Beckham. Um, but for my money, I just think that DeAndre Hopkins, he may be the best wide receiver in the game. I know I kind of change that up every week. But how many spectacular catches is this guy going to make and week by week by week? And he's not a quiet guy either. He's pretty boisterous. He's pretty, you know, out there, and he kind of talks to talk. But the Texans really don't get that love, man. But, listen, DeAndre Hopkins, man, that dude makes some of the most spectacular catches. Some of the catches, in my opinion, you know, can rival Odell Beckham Jr. But, man, this guy, he just gets it done day in, day out. Got to respect that dude. I just wanted to go ahead and give him some love real quick. All right. Mackenzie, let's go into your favorite game, which is Monday night. Mariota taking on your Elliott and company. Uh, we are going to see Cowboy Nation front and center. Uh, this should be, uh, coming off a bye, should be an easy win for them, but stranger things have happened, of course. Exactly. Stranger things have happened, and I feel like if my Cowboys don't get it together, 
people are going to be on their way out. But with the exception of us acquiring Amari Cooper for a first-round draft pick, which I still feel like, like I feel like it was a good idea at the time because we needed we needed a wide out, but not for a first-round draft pick. Like, come on. Holy. Hey, See, this that's is the like song. Raider land right there. Ra- Raiders making moves. I'm telling you, <laughs> they're selling the farm. Oh man! So I see, I see this Monday night game going in my favor. Obviously, I'm going to say that. Um, but all like salt aside, I see the Cowboys after this bye week. I see them picking it up. I see. Then start. I see Dak starting to make his reads better. I see Ezekiel Elliott rushing for over 100 yards or more, more than 100 yards, I should say. Um, I see Amari Cooper being targeted at least 10 times. Uh, Cole Beasley's going to get a, a good, decent amount of targets. Um, the defense, my defense is still, still stout even after coming off of that loss. Uh, they play, like I said, the last game they played, there wasn't any side of the ball that was very much off I just don't think Dak had enough time to make the extra play he needed to get the win um Demarcus Lawrence has to step up he has to step up he is one of the leaders on that defense the defensive line he has to step up and get pressure on Mariota all right let's go into the huddle Uh, I believe we have our guest son so let's go into the huddle sponsored by Zazzle.com you go to Zazzle get gifts tees hoodies leggings and everything else Check it out at zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Make sure you use the daily code, save big, up to 20% off. And you can get Zazzle Black for about $10 for the year. So you get free shipping in the U.S. You can also go to Zazzle under the Worldwide tab. And if you're in Europe, in Mexico, or anywhere else, you can order stuff right there under the Worldwide tab. Follow your country code. Take advantage of any codes and specials on your country code. So zazzle.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties, go down to the tab that says Worldwide, find your country, order stuff, get the best shirt that sells for us, which is the basic logo shirt, no joke football slogan shirt. So check it out at Zazzle.com. So let's go into the huddle. And today we have the talented Jordan Marie of the USWFL champion, two-time champion, Washington prodigy in the house, and going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame in a couple months here, about six under 60 days here. Uh, so, Jordan, how you doing? Hey, Oscar. I'm great. How are you? We're doing great. Uh, you're in with uh, awesome. IWFL All-Star Mackenzie Brooks and our college football hey, guru, Troy Wilson. Hey, Jordan. How you doing, girl? <laughs> I'm good. Hey, Troy. What's going on? Hey, Troy's there. So, Jordan, uh, what a great year for Washington Prodigy. Two years in a row, you shift to the, I, uh, the USWSFL, literally owned yeah. this league. So, you got to be very yeah. proud of off-season recruiting. Obviously, your marketing's working, and being top dogs never hurts. It's been it's been amazing. Um, the USWFL has been has been very good to us. Um, you know, it feels great. You know, in our fifth and sixth season to come out, to be that strong, you know, to continue to, to grow. We definitely don't take it for granted, you know, how, how much work goes into starting a team, you know, maintaining a team and then being this successful. So, I mean, our, our, our girls, our ownership, our coaches are, are really awesome and, and we, we, we love them. Now, Jordan, uh, you guys have had so much success in this new league, but at, at the same time, 
things are changing all over. Uh, you got the WNFC coming in, the WFA is improving. So, you know, the USW, uh, USWSFL has also uh, sort of expanded and retracted. So as a uh, general manager here, competition, you know, new teams locally. Uh, so you got uh, other things, other things to worry about in terms of the, this coming year for defending the title and going for a three-peat. Yeah, well, we definitely, you know, we we don't want to ever come by it easy. You know what I mean? We welcome the competition. You know, there are certain um, certain area restrictions that have prohibited us from, you know, entering into the WFA that have not been, um, you know, have have not been been changed or forgiven by, you know, by certain parties. So, you know, we I mean, we are where we are. The competition is definitely increasing in the USWFL. We actually got. Two new teams in the DMV, another new team um, a little bit further out west in Virginia. So people are definitely moving over here. The USWFL, I feel like, is becoming a really strong contender on the East Coast. Um, I'm really happy for Odessa and the WNFC. Um, You know, I'm very interested to see what they do as they continue to grow and move kind of further east and further north. So, you know, I mean, things change. The tide changes. I mean, as you know, women's football all the time, you know, teams change leagues and – you know, like they, they go where the competition is, they go where they feel like they're best represented. So we're always here for that. You know, we're here for the girls. We want to give them a good game because winning is not everything. You know, I mean, if, if it's too easy, it doesn't feel good. So we want to definitely make sure that we're sharpening, sharpening them, sharpening other teams, iron sharpens iron. So we're always here for, you know, for a good bout. Now, Jordan, you kept, you have come from very good uh, traditional teams that you've played before uh, going back as far as the, the NWFA. So we won't, we won't, I guess we won't say you're old, <laughs> but you're seasoned just like Michelle <laughs> Braun, I right? Mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 37. You, I'm football old. You can definitely call me. Right. Old. That's what I meant. Yeah. I mean, you know, 15 years uh, in, in the sport. Yeah. So you've seen a lot of things you've seen, like you said, to your point, leagues come and go, teams come and go and leagues formatting. Uh, I mean, you were way back in what uh, linebacker from I think 2004 to 2006. In 2007, yeah. you were you were with the Divas, uh, yeah. and then you know you played obviously uh, on the defensive side of the ball, and then you go to the Prodigy with uh, Tiffany, Tiffany Matthews, uh, which is the uh, mm-hmm. the owner also. And so at this point, you know, it's just a transition, but this this new league really has given you guys life and the politics, if you want to call it, of not able to shift to a, a you know, a WFA or, or for example, an IWFL really hinders, like you said, an ability for a team to really showcase their, you know, their talent. So yeah, you're winning in one league, but like you always said, you know, you want to have stern competition because it only makes you better and your brand better. Right. Well, as general manager, there are a lot of things to think about. Um, before we joined the USWFL, we were in the IWFL. But as they began to also be a, a West-heavy league, you know, we really had to decide whether, you know, the competition was worth the cost. And, you know, it, it, it gets really hard when you have to choose between those two things because you have good relationships with, you know, league ownership and good relationships with teams. But, I mean, as you know, you know, semi-pro women's football, we don't get paid. We still pay to play, which is something that I hope changes in the very near future. You know, when it when it comes down to – you know, flying to Austin in the regular season or, you know, like figuring out how you're going to get to, you know, Utah for say, you know, before June, then you really have to decide like, you know, is it worth it? Cause what we don't want to do is forfeit. We don't want to put out a bad brand. You know, we, we want to show and prove and deliver however we can. So 
that was our onus in, you know, coming to the, the USWFL from there. So, you know, as, as general manager now, um, I've been GM of the Prodigy for, um, this will be our seventh season coming up, you know, but having played nine seasons before that, like, you really, like, I see it as a player, I see it as admin, and I really try to strike a balance that, you know, that, that makes the, the players happy, kind of keeps morale strong there, but also makes good business decisions, which doesn't always please the players, but, you know, we have to think about, like, our, our longevity and our brand, and we want to make sure that we present a good brand. Uh, Jordan, you played in Vancouver. You got to see front and center of the Mexico team. We talked to um, we talked to Lizbeth uh, Madrigal uh, Leon last week of the uh, Mexico bronze winning team. So you got to see some of the international teams as well, Canada. So what was your experience uh, on Team USA in terms of at the IFAB World Championships? Well, I was, I mean, thrilled, of course to make it you know when they when they had their first um tournament in 2010 i was recovering from an acl injury so you know i wasn't able to try out and then in 2013 we were starting the prodigy and just figuring out how i was gonna you know get to europe and while also starting this team like it was just you know i wasn't able to happen so i felt like this was my year you know i was gonna do it so i was really excited when i made it but i was also excited because i had heard in prior um, tournaments that the U.S. had dominated, like wiping teams out, like 70 nothing, you know, times and shutouts on the board. So it was, it was exciting, you know, and a bit, a bit jarring once you're in the game, but to see that, you know, these girls came to play. Mexico came to play. They were fast. They were fast. Like no one who's out there can, can say anything about, like, the, the speed of their play. Like they played to their strength. They weren't as big as us, you know, but they used their speed and they used their skill, and they put forward a really – a really good competition. So it was nice to see, you know, how American football is growing in these other countries, you know, particularly Mexico, a team that hadn't really been on the world stage in the other two tournaments, you know, coming up and doing as well as they did in this tournament was actually really, it was really awesome to see we have football sisters down there. Now, you know, they're uh, Jordan, they were very proud to hold you to 29 points because nobody had held you guys exactly to 29 right. points. So yeah, they were very proud right. proud of the fact that they held you guys down to a, under 30 points, which was impressive in itself. Yeah, it, it was a good game. Like, we, we realized very quickly that we were going to need to bring it if we wanted to dominate, you know, that tournament. It was not going to be as easy as it had been in, you know, in prior tournaments. So, you know, we, we worked hard, and so did they. And, the, I mean, the camaraderie, especially, you know, like at the end after, you know, we had played all the teams, was it was it was really good. Now, Jardine, you're going into the uh, Hall of Fame uh, um, alongside myself and about 36 other people. Yeah, congratulations um, so to you. Thank you, and to you as well. And um, so very, very worthy of, of this. Uh, so I don't know what to say. I've, I've said my part. I'm pretty sure, you know, you can speak to for yourself. But uh, it's really a great honor to be recognized for a certain accomplishments that you've contributed to the sport. So in itself, I think that's great. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I'm so glad that, that all of us are being recognized. And I'm glad that they are looking at it, you know, from a full scope from, you know, like all, on the field, like what happens in the, you know, 60 minutes of play to, you know, what happens off the field, you know, who promotes the sport, who, you know, who manages, coaches, comments. Like I'm I'm really happy that they're really, you know, celebrating all of the champions of women's football at this Hall of Fame. All right, let's. Let's bring in uh, Mackenzie here to prick your brain, and then we'll get Troy involved too. So, uh, Mackenzie, uh, Jordan Marie here, two-time champion of the Washington Prodigy. 
general manager. So lots of work done. Great job for her. How are you today? I'm great, Mackenzie. How are you? You know, I'm great. I'm living the dream. Anytime I can talk women's football with another player, I love it. Nice. So my first question is, why did you guys pick the USWSL over any of the other leagues? Um, well, like I was telling Oscar, you know, I mean, we had we had decisions to make. You know, when we um, decided that we wanted to start a team, you know, we had to think about all of the all of the factors involved in that, including the fact that there was already another team um, in our area, the DC Divas. And you know, many leagues have rules about um, you know geographic restrictions for existing teams, which of course you know we had to honor. So we um, when we first started, joined the IWFL um, because there was not a, a DC team in that area. And as, as teams shifted, you know, as things changed, the IWFL became very West heavy. You know, some teams from the East had moved to the WFA. And, you know, what we decided in terms of, you know, staying strong, staying credible in terms of, you know, putting on a good games, games that we can, we can manage, and it's not just about competition, you know, as a general manager, I have to think about the business aspect as well. The USWFL seemed like the best choice for us at the time. Um, Jennifer and Dave Johnson of the Tri-Cities Thunder are the owners. You know, they've been, they've been great. You know, they've been accommodating. Like, for this to be a new league, you know, they're incredibly professional. And I definitely, I definitely see this league having success, especially in this eastern and mid-Atlantic area. So, you know, I mean, once, once we thought about, what was best for us to maintain the longevity of the team, keep our morale up, you know, and make, make it feasible. Because what we don't want to do and we've seen is, you know, teams come, you know, they overpromise, they underdeliver, they fold, you know, or they lose credibility. And we didn't want that. We wanted to be a solid fixture here in DC. So we had to make choices that were best for the team. So that's kind of how we wound up in the USWFL. Wow. That's awesome. It's a lot of work. I know it's not a lot. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just on the same way. So my next question um, for you. So with your tenure of playing and, you know, the fact that you're going into the Hall of Fame, which I'm totally excited for, by the way, you definitely deserve it. Oh, man, I'm so excited for you and Oscar and all the other players that I know that are being inducted. Um, what would you say was your most um, – like the most difficult thing you've had to endure or um, biggest challenge you've had to go through, whether it be as a player, whether it be as a general manager or both? Um, I think the switch from player to player and general manager, like like taking an administrative role was probably the most difficult thing because, you know, for this to be a sport that we're so passionate about for us to, have to put in financial energy in addition to physical energy, you know, it's already difficult. And then to be the person who now has to be in charge of, you know, making sure that the girls have their paperwork in order, you know, have their fees together, like kind of becoming a team mom when you were a sister for 10 years, like just to kind of put it plainly is a huge adjustment. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's hard to ask people for things that you know that you as a player, you know, struggled juggling because you don't want to come off, you know, like, like a hypocrite, like you all of a sudden forget how hard it is to manage football in addition to, you know, careers and kids and other aspects of daily life. Um, 
But I had to tell myself at the end of the day, like, you know, everybody knows why they're there and everybody knows what's expected of them. And if you, you know, if you approach them respectfully, speak to everyone, you know, the, the way that you want to be speak to and treated, you know, and kind of like remember that like they know the goal as well as you and you're kind of, you know, you're, you're sharing the, the load there. It made it a little bit easier, but that, that was a, a more difficult lesson to come by than I expected, you know, starting out. But it, it definitely it definitely got easier as, as time went on. I can only imagine, oh man, that has to be a crazy you know, crazy switch just yeah, other than physically, yeah. just mentally. So my final question for you, ma'am, was what was it like playing for Team USA? It was, I mean, it's crazy, you know, because I have, I've played in a lot of games and they've played the anthem before every single one. But when we were playing for the gold medal game and they played our national anthem and we were like, we were there representing the nation, like that, that feeling was indescribable. Like there were tears in my eyes, you know what I mean? Like it, it took on a whole different it took on a whole different meaning. Like it was so humbling to be there, you know, with so many people that I had, I had played with, I'd played against, you know, like I had watched grow and develop, you know, in the, in the sport and, you know, new and emerging talent, you know, and just like really like to be there representing our country, like despite kind of everything that's going on with the country, you know, it's always, you know, one day it's up, one day it's down, you know, but, but that moment was so, you know, it was so passionate and so genuine, and I was so proud to be, you know, representing the USA there with my football sisters. Like, there's all the games I played. There was absolutely nothing like that. It was, it was everything. I know. I had um when you there was a couple times you had went live like after the first first couple practices <laughs> you guys were sitting sitting in the ice bath. I was rolling between That's you <laughs> and and Jewel, and Jewel Grimsley. And yeah, oh my Jewel gosh, and, y'all yeah, are funny. Yeah, yeah. No, and then Brian. I, I, yeah, I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like you know, we yes. we we had fun. Like you had to, you know, you made it fun. It was everybody knew why we were there. You know what we what we set out to do. But we were we were fast friends because that kind of all like you know we stayed in dorms. You know, like literally like communal showers, like. If we weren't close by the end of those two weeks, we were real close, you know. So, it was it was a great experience. Wow, that's awesome! I just remember watching each game, and I'm just like, oh, we're gonna do it. Like I was just, I was, I felt like I was right there with you guys without actually being in Canada, and I was also jealous because going to Canada is on my bucket list. So, right, I hope to get well, there I wouldn't someday. Even, you know, I need and to I, go back to Canada because I don't really feel like we went to Canada because I didn't see any of Canada. Because we had we had two a day practices and meetings, so you know other people that I knew had come to see that watch the games and were touring Vancouver, taking pictures, you know, going hiking, and you know, we did none of that. So I still feel like I'm I'm owed a a good Vancouver trip. So let me know when you go. We'll all <laughs> go together. Perfect. We can we can take a trip. You and me. <laughs> awesome. Well, ma'am, I think I've picked your brain enough. I think I'm going to throw it back over to Oscar. Sweet. Thanks All right. Uh, Troy had to bail on us because he got a, uh, a call for um, one of his things to do, so he apologizes for that. But, uh, Jordan, uh, I mean, what can we say? Uh, good success in terms of the prodigy. Uh, the USWFL is growing. Um, what can you speak to since you're, you know, a long-term 
veteran of the sport. What do you think of the, I guess, the three-headed monster now that it is uh, since the IWFL has kind of like fallen off? You have the resurgence of your league on the, on the mid and east coast that is growing and stable. Uh, you got stable clubs like yourselves and other clubs in the USWFL. And then you got the WNFC with the, with the new vision of something bigger. And then you got the WFA, which is over 80 teams nationwide and still growing yearly. So, I mean, as, as a veteran of women's football, I mean, what, what do you see here for 2019 in your eyes? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, it's, I definitely feel like it's a season of change. I think that everybody is eager to see what the WNFC is going to do, you know, on their inaugural season. Um, but I think that the, the benefit now of starting and running a league, you know, versus like trying to do this like back in the early 2000s is kind of like, you know, seeing kind of how the tides have changed and like what, what really matters and what doesn't. Because, I mean, I can remember like the, the Philadelphia Phoenix that I started with in 04 were part of the NWFA. And at that time, the NWFA was like today's WFA, you know, and then that, that kind of fell off. And when I came down here to the Divas, the strong league was the IWFL, you know, and it was strong, you know, nationwide. And so now you have the WFA and you have the WNFC emerging. So, I mean, all I can say is, like, you know, don't count anybody out. Like, you know, people are really looking at, you know, at, at management and business practice and kind of, you know, what, what matters to the owners, like, you know, having a say and, you know, feeling well represented and, you know, and considered and celebrated, you know, when you're a strong team and you do well. And that means different things to different people because of the, you know, like hundred plus teams across the country, you know, no two owners, no two teams are run the same. Notice everyone wants something different. So as, as stronger teams emerge, you know, their voices are going to be heard. The squeaky wheel gets the oil, you know, as the saying goes. So I definitely wouldn't count anyone out, you know, and even though WNFC just got here, you know, I wouldn't count them out to, you know, eventually grow to be dominant. You know, like Jennifer and Dave Johnson saw that they wanted something different. They started the USWFL. You know, we had a, a handful of teams two seasons ago, and we've, we've more than doubled that now. So, you know, it, it's anybody's game. I just want to see the sport well represented. And I want more people who don't play to know that we exist because there are still people in the world that do not know that women's football is a thing and we're going on two decades. And so what concerns me most is how we change that for the better, how we get more exposure, how we get more positive representation. So whichever league is willing to do that and show up strongly for that, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely here for. Jardine, uh, in, in the view of Vancouver, you also got to see across the wing, you got Great Britain, you got to see Finland, Sweden, uh, we cover it all. We get to see it all. And literally, not just in the States or near North America, but globally, this sport is being embraced by women almost all over the globe. So that's got to be a good sign. The interest and the awareness and the passion to play it is, is just global now. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's um, awesome. We had a girl um, from Prague, from the Prague Lionesses, contact us um, towards the end of our spring season and tell us that she had gotten a summer job here in the States and was interested in practicing with us. And it was unfortunate because we linked with her too late for her to get on our roster, you know, to compete in our last few games. But I mean, it was, it was so great. She said, you know, she's coming to America. She wanted to 
play American football, you know, in America, like essentially. And it was, it was really great to know that one, you know, over in, in Prague, you know, in, in Western Europe, like they're, they're, they're doing this, like the sport is growing over there. You know, we had a similar situation when I was in the Divas a few years back with, you know, a player from Finland and, and playing Finland, you know, this past year in the world championships was, they, they've been working on their craft. Like they're, they're not coming out there, you know, brand new deer in headlights. Like they know what they're doing. They've recruited some big linemen. Like they gave us a game. They absolutely gave us a game. So it is, it's refreshing to see that it's, you know, the interest and the, you know, the support is building worldwide. Yeah. Let's hope IFAB gets their act together, which I think uh, Robert McLean's probably going to do his job and hopefully get it back to where it was, which is, you know, to elevate the women's game a lot more. Yeah. Um, but uh, overall, I think they've done a good job there. So hopefully that curves out itself. But uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, congratulations on your nomination and inductee into the Women's Hall of Fame and uh, the Thank great you job so you're doing in the w, uh, USWSFL with the Washington Prodigy. And so we look forward to 2019 and a, a three-peat is really what it looks like at this point. Sweet. I hope so. I mean, I can't take anything for granted, but that's definitely what we're chasing. So. All right. So, Jardine, uh, Marie, thank you for coming in, making the time. I know you're a busy girl and everything, so really appreciate it. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to make it to Vegas to be there, but I know it's going to be a very oh, nice no. event. Uh, we we talked to Michelle Braun last week or the week before, so she's excited to go there as well. Um, unfortunately, I have some issues with my other uh, uh, half who's uh, in some medical conditions, so I'm not able to make that trip or commit to it yet. So, oh, uh, but I will be there in spirit and um, watching you guys get inducted. And it's, uh, it's an honor to be inducted with the, like I said, 37 other folks that have made an impact in the sport. And it's a pleasure to be there and be nominated with you guys. Sweet. Well, we are thankful for you, Oscar. And I hope that everything um, starts looking up with your partner as well. We're going to miss you in Vegas. Thank you very much. So I reach, reach out to you uh, in 2019. We'll check in again if, if, if that's the case, and we'll kind of see where the prodigy is going to be headed into the 2019 USWFL season. Is there any tryout info that you can uh, hang out right now with to us and uh, give yeah, we, so, we had so that two, people can we get had, interested? Of course, we've had two um, awesome trials. We have one more on November 10th. It's the Saturday of um, Veterans Day weekend, November 10th. Randall Rec Center in D.C. All of the information is on our website, WashingtonProdigy.com. And we're on um, Facebook, Washington Prodigy, Twitter and Instagram, at Wash Prodigy. You can find all of our information there or contact me directly. Um, Jordan Marie on Facebook. My name is Jordan White. My last name is actually White. Um, but I'm the general manager. I will hit you back and give you all the information. But, yes, everything's on our social media. November 10th, next tryout. Awesome. So thanks for coming in. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to the induction ceremony and uh, could not be more proud of you and your contributions to the sport. So uh, a pioneer indeed. Great. Thank you so much, Oscar. Thanks. Have a great night. Thanks, Mackenzie. All right. You guys too. Take care. Bye. So Mackenzie, there you go. Inspiration as well. Um, she was able to get onto the U.S. national team, which is one of your goals probably to get there and represent the U.S. in, in the international scene. And she's done it. She did it. Uh, very proud of her as well. And then obviously dual roles here. She's player for a long time and now a general manager and had success with the Prodigy, two back-to-back championships and playing in the USW, USWSFL as top dogs. So 
uh, great job she's done with that, as, as well as with Tiffany Matthews there. Absolutely. I've, like I said, I've uh, I've played against her, um, some of the girls that she um, had on the team on Team USA. I've also played with some of the girls that she's that she had been a part of with Team USA. So being able to see those live videos that she had and being able to see just the array of all different kinds of women that was on Team USA, I'm just like that's a goal of mine. Myself and a couple of my former teammates from the Madison Blaze, we have all made a pact to try to make the next Team USA. So that's something that's on my personal bucket list. Also going to Canada is on my bucket list, as well as hopefully having the honor of being inducted into the Hall of Fame. So listening to her stories and listening to Michelle's stories are just so much inspiration for me. I just, I love it. Yeah, and, you know, and there's a lot of players like her that are obviously going to make a very huge impact, not just on a coaching end of things, but a very huge impact on certain franchises in terms of decision makers and things that it could have been done better, changes to be done better to the sport. So, uh, you know, a lot of really are either owners now, especially in the WFA for the most part. And so that's both well for the sport in the U.S. because that is the birth of the sport and it should be done well to where it represents and elevates the rest of the globe. So, Hats off to her for her awesome work that she's done in the USWSFL as two-time champions going for a three-peat in next spring. So, um, Mackenzie, we're not going to get to college, but we're going to do the recap here. we got about 10 minutes. So let's go down under Gridiron, Queensland. The last weekend, week nine, was canceled because of weather delays and weather issues. Too many wet fields, and that's not good. Uh, week 10, this past weekend, uh, GC Stingrays, 16, and they lose to Bayside Ravens, 20-16. to 16. Bayside, top dogs here. Uh, Bayside had come off the 42-22 to 22, uh, win versus Griffith Thunder on, in week eight. And now they, they go into week 12. Bayside Ravens taking on Griffith Thunder. Griffith coming off the 64-8 uh, win over Moreton Bay, which is a uh, new team. And obviously that didn't, wasn't much competition. So we have a rematch here of week six. Uh, do you really think uh, the Thunder has it to muster and take on Raven and um, Christy Moran there? Wow. I, I can't believe that there was weather cancellations. I don't – for some reason I missed that. Um, are they scheduled to – are they going to be rescheduled to make up those games or not? As far as I'm told, no. We're going with minus that week. So at this point, uh, we got week 12 coming up. So this is a this is a, a a clash of two top teams. Griffith lose, like I said, lost the last game, 42 to 22. And Ravens would love nothing more just to get another win here. They're already pretty much a shoe in for the uh, for the playoff top playoff seed. So yeah, I I think ooh, man, this is a tough one to pick too. I'm not honestly. I'm just going to go on a limb here. I think it's going to end up in a tie. Yeah, and it could be in a tie. It's happened before in Aussie land. So, so you're going with a tie. I will take Ravens uh, by two touchdowns. I will say it will be a similar score. And then uh, Stingrays shouldn't have a problem with the Raptors. Not, not that the Raptors don't have any fight in them, but I just don't see them coming up a winning here. So uh should be Stingrays win here. And that's in Gridiron, Queensland. We'll look for the results this past this coming week. 
Uh, and then over in Costa Rica at the a- ADMFA uh, League, the B- Bulldog Flames took care of the Valkyrias 26-12. to 12. Uh, The week before that, Valkyrias fell 40 to um, – to the to the forty to zero to the same thing. It was a back to back weeks with each other. So uh Bulldog Flames pretty much three and zero on the season. And then you got uh the two and one or two and one Valkyrias and then the uh I believe O O and three goddesses. So we'll keep tabs in Costa Rica in terms of what's going on there. FX Mexico, we will go ahead and give the update for you on our Facebook page. Go to the hub, Facebook.com forward slash gridiron beauties get all the information that's what's happening in, in the international scene. Also the Dacia Vikings uh, take care of the ducks, the Salzburg ducks 40 to zero uh, also in action over in, uh, in the uh, Eastern Bloc in, in uh, Europe. So that was uh, awesome. And we'll get to take, ta- take care of that tabbing there. The uh, Limpa, Limpa out of Mexico, legend style play. Uh, we had the uh, Jets, taking care of the Sentinels, 35-2. to two. Uh, The uh, Valkyrias of uh, San Luis Potosí, 27-6, to six, beating the Veloruptors. And then uh, West Angels fall to Angels Guadalajara, 40-2. to two. Interesting matchup there. Uh, we'll get the results for the uh, Mambo Negras versus the Vipers. But uh, currently in the standings, Valkyrias own the top spot at 3-1. and one. The Jets of Valbuena, 3-1. and one. Uh, you got the Angels of Guadalajara at three and three, Man, uh, Black Mambas three and one, and the West Angels at three and two. So very competitive, uh, you know, through six weeks in Limpa as well. There, Mackenzie. Yeah, some of those scores surprised me, um, especially when I saw the Ducks score, or I guess scoreless. That was really interesting. I actually had them winning, and they ended up losing by a significant amount. So I was just very. I guess I was kind of taken back because I guess I I guess I expected the Ducks to I guess I expected them to steamroll over opponents. Apparently that didn't happen. Then Gridiron West, uh, it was a rematch of the 2017 West Bowl Grand Final, and it was the Perth Blitz champions. They beat the Perth Broncos once again, 22 to zero, as the final score was. So Perth uh, continues to dominate in Gridiron West, and so next week. Uh, next uh, next week the bye week, and then November third, uh, no November third. I'm sorry, November third is is uh, week five. It is the Blitz taking on Curtin Saints. It'll be the West Coast Wolverines taking on the Rottenham Vipers. Vipers top squad in Gridiron West in terms of a great team. They have been excellent through three uh, four weeks now. In week one, they fell by four points to Perth Blitz, and in week two. They took care of the Broncos, uh, the runners-up of last year, 14-6. to In week three, they themselves took care of Curtin Saints, 22-6. to So, uh, Mackenzie, this Rottenham Vipers, a team to be reckoned with in Grand West in their first year. So, they're showing fight. Absolutely. It's very – I can't say that I'm surprised because I feel like um, they're, even though they're a they're first-year team, I feel like they they had some they've had a you know some veteran experience join the new team so it it, it always helps even whether it's Gridiron West whether it's Costa Rica whether it's a U.S. team having experience on a new team is you know what helps build that team so the fact that they're at the top of 
at the top of their league right now is kind of cool. All right. And then we also, uh, if you go to the face concourse, that's great on beauties. You can check out the uh, Italian league in action. Uh, I want to thank Patricia Pace out there for posting up the United Lazio against the Pirates Savona and uh, all the network partners that we network with really appreciate them networking with us in terms of giving us photography, stills, uh, still photos, everything of all the action that's happened internationally. Really, really appreciate. Um, so she's one of them as well. So Patricia, uh, Patricia Pace, uh, photographer, and that's uh, over in Italy. And so through two weeks, United Lazio really owns it. Uh, we're going to take, uh, take advantage of some of the videos that came up in during the, uh, this week, and they were ma- made by uh, Nausicaa Del Roto. So uh, she's done a great job trying to promote the league out in Italy. And so uh, the Bulldogs, um, the, uh, I mean, uh, the league out there is really kicking in the gear with week three. So we'll keep tabs on it, but she's done a great job there. We also want to give a shout out to uh, Manage FA, and he's a photographer out there in Germany. And he's done some real nice sports edits for the German league girls out there. Uh, you check out one of them, uh, the Ebden Tiger ladies out there in so you can go to the facebook.com for slash great iron beauties page. So uh, that's it. Mackenzie pretty much going to do it for us. Thanks for uh, Jordan Marie coming in to tell us her story and her awesome job that she's doing with the USFL two-time champion, Washington prodigy. We were, we ran down NFL weeks uh, that week eight. And then we also kind of spotlighted week nine. Uh, we'll dive into college football next week as we get closer to the, I believe the decision maker for the college playoffs. But other than that, it was a great show uh, for the absent Holly Custis, uh, Troy Wilson, and Louise Bean, along with Mackenzie Brooks here. Oscar Lopez saying we'll catch you here next week on The Blitz right here on TuneIn, Block Talk Radio, and Apple Podcasts. Have a great night, everybody. See you later. Have a good week.